special day, I guess, um, but it was, it has been invented by American car companies. It's Father's Day. It's, uh, it's not like Mothering Sunday. It's not Mother's Day either. Um, Mother's Day is also an invention of the car companies. So I'll just get that rant out there. <laughs> and now I've had it, I've calmed down. Because actually I benefit, being a father, I, I do actually benefit from Father's Day. Uh, so I shouldn't really complain too much. Who do you look up to? <laughs> hey. I've noticed there's a frisbee on one of your fans up there, but that's <laughs> I don't know how they got it up there. That's quite cool. <laughs> but anyway, now you're all going to look, aren't you? Not taking it away. Great. Who do you look up to? That's that's the uh, sort of theme of today, really. Who do we, who do we look up to? Now there are all sorts of people we might look up to. So I just want to think about this. And I'm thinking particularly today of people that sort of inspire us to be the best you you can be, the best person that you can be. Who is your role model? Who are the people you really look up to? And I'm thinking of male role models. I'm not trying to say there aren't female role models. There are definitely millions of female role models. Uh, and, uh, and, but today we're looking particularly at male role models. So um, let's think of some male role models. Um, and it might be somebody like a male football, footballer you admire or, uh, and want to play like, who inspires you to play. Uh, a male singer that you think is great. It might be a male chef who you'd love them to cook you a meal uh, or you'd love to be able to cook like them. It might be a male film star that you love to watch and would love to act like. It might be somebody, uh, a great, somebody from history that you think, wow, they were so important and they did some really great stuff and I wish I could just be like them. So have a think for a minute and then I'm going to let you just shout them out. Put your hands up. That's probably a good idea. Put your hands up, otherwise it will be a bit of a noise. So if you can think of a male role model, who, who is it? Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. <laughs> We'll let you have that one. <laughs> two, two, go for two. Nelson Mandela, Terry Wade. Two important people. Nelson Mandela obviously uh, stood to bring South Africa together and, uh, and Terry Wade spent all that time uh, persecuted and imprisoned uh, and then uh, forgave his captors, which was brilliant. Uh, on. Terry Wogan. Yeah, good one. All that stuff with children in need. Uh, father of children in need, really. Go over this one first. Roy Bennett. Roy Bennett. Your dad. Ah, oh, well. Keep that one in your mind. That's a good one. There's one over here. Ronnie Corbett. Ronnie Corbett. Hey, how about that? I suppose he's inspired everybody with his laughter, isn't he? He's a fantastic comedian. Uh, I love... Farm fuse. That can't be bad, can it? <laughs> Never wrong. David. Oh. 
Now you've embarrassed him. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah. So lots of good people, lots of people that we, that we have as uh, role models. I'm going to put some of mine up. Um, that looks a bit like me, but he's a bit thinner. <laughs> a bit less grey as well. Shall we have the next one up? Here we go. Now, uh, it's a bit of a, bit of a quiz. Uh, these are some of my role models. I wouldn't say they're all my role models, uh, but some of them. Um, and uh, can anybody uh, guess who they are? Um, you can have a guess at one or two or however many you think. Bear Grylls. Yeah, love Bear Grylls. Guy in the middle at the top, if you don't know him. Um, he, uh, adventurer, he, he was in the, well, he trained for the SAS and um, he, he broke his spine in a parachuting accident. Uh, thought he'd never be able to do very much again in his life. Fought through that. Uh, managed to uh, climb Everest as well, uh, and now inspires young people to be adventurous as well, which I think is great. Obviously, he was uh, uh, the uh, chief scout for a while as well. So uh, he's done some amazing stuff, continues to do amazing stuff. And I think, I've read his autobiography, autobiography he's a great father as well. He cares really so much for his sons that he's got. So he's a great father, a great role model, uh, and I really appreciate it. Any others up there you recognise? My dad. Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah, there he is. He's got less hair than me and he's sprayer. That's, uh, and he's thinner as well. So Yeah, that's my dad. Well done. I'm glad you spotted that one. Winston Churchill. Do you know what he did? No. Okay. He was, he was a Prime Minister uh, and uh, he, he, uh, he, he helped Britain through the war, through the wartime, Second World War. Uh, and he had some, that's right, that's his famous V symbol. Uh, and he had some amazing invention ideas as well. He was a very creative man. Uh, but he also struggled. He was a human being as well. He struggled with life sometimes. And he suffered sometimes. He had some dark times in his life, uh, which he sort of struggled through. So he wasn't a perfect hero like we see some of our superheroes. But he was an ordinary man, but managed to be the man for the time. Anybody else? Captain Sully. Well done. I wondered if anyone would get that one. If you've seen the film with Tom Hanks in it. Uh, amazing film. I've read the book, and actually, I think the book that he wrote is better because it tells more of his home story. He, he's actually an uh, amazing man, very modest, very modest man, uh, and he was the guy that landed the plane on the Hudson River. Uh, you might have seen the film. But he's, uh, his story is really about he's, he's, he adopts children. And, uh, and how much he cares for his children. And that didn't really come through in the film, but the story of his life is, is fantastic. Humble man, doesn't, he, he just thinks he was doing his job. Uh, and I guess we, we like people like that, because that's, that's real, isn't it? Yeah, anybody else up there? Can... Close. <laughs> Whitfield. <laughs> yeah. I do love Wesley as well. These are the guy down here with his hands up in the air. Uh, looking a bit ministerial he is one of my uh, sort of spiritual heroes I guess um, he was around the same time as John and Charles Wesley who started Methodism uh, he, he had a slightly different view of things but they, eventually, they, they were friends then they weren't friends and then at the end they were friends again because uh, they thought that things were, friendship was more important than 
some of the stuff they believe. But yeah, George Whitfield, uh, a great uh, preacher and teacher and evangelist of his day. Um, anybody else? David Beckham. Not everybody's pick, but I actually think he's not done too badly. I think he's, he's actually probably done better since he stopped being a footballer. Um, he's been a good ambassador for, for an awful lot of things, for, for children in sport and all sorts of things, uh, and, uh, and he's actually been quite a good father as well. I think that's, that's, that's been important. Uh, sorry? Douglas Bader. About the right time... Yeah, Douglas Bader was a fighter pilot. Um, he is, he's a lesser known. There's, there's a guy called Barnes Wallace, but it's not him. <laughs> it's not him, but he was around about the same. Barnes Wallace gets quite a lot of the, the attention. He was during the Second World War, he was the guy that invented an awful lot of things as well as the bouncing bomb. He did invent the bouncing bomb that hit the dams, but he did invent lots of other stuff as well, which he doesn't get so much credit for. Now, this guy... Uh, doesn't get very much credit at all, but his name is Robert Watson Watt, which some of you may have heard. Obviously, there's an R. Uh, um, and he is the founding father of radar. In the Second World War, he and his small team, with things that they could basically nick, came together and built uh, what we now, well, it was an early form of radar. Uh, and he doesn't get very much credit for that. So those, those are some of my heroes, and uh, I, I think most of them, uh, maybe we have as well, apart from perhaps my dad, um, because he, uh, he's been my role model. He's probably not so much anybody else's. So just think about that. There are people, famous people, apart from my dad, who's not particularly famous, although he's quite a good artist. I'll give him that. Just think, and this isn't a calling out thing, but just think of people in our own lives Maybe a male teacher who's inspired you and helped you to grow and to learn. Or a male friend who has helped you in something. Or maybe it's a male relative uh, that you've looked up to at some point in your life. Or a male member of family who has loved and cared for you. Just think of those. And at some point, just quietly say thank you to God for those people that have been in your life. For some of us, the best male role model is our dad. But that's not true for everybody. And I think today is as important to recognise that as well. That it can be a painful day, Father's Day, for some people. And... Speaking as a dad, I know even the best dads mess up being a father at times. We're not perfect, none of us are. However, we hear in the Bible about a father who is absolutely perfect. Somebody who does get it right all the time and doesn't mess up. And we're going to hear our readings now about the way God is a perfect dad to us. We're going to have our readings. I think uh, the guides are going to bring our readings. Hosea 
Chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. God's love for Israel. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with tides of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. Then Jesus said to him, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wonderfully read. So there we have examples of uh, a perfect father. And, and I sometimes take my uh, father, uh, how to be a father, sometimes from the Bible, but also sometimes from film. Uh, and I'm just going to show you a clip of what I think is an excellent model of uh, fatherhood from Despicable Me. <laughs> As you can see, I have provided everything a child might need. All right. Uh, okay. As I was saying... Hey! Oh! Somebody broke that. Okay. Okay. Clearly, we need to set some rules. Rule number one. You will not touch anything. Uh-huh. What about the floor? Yes, you may touch the floor. What about the air? Yes, you may touch the air. What about this? Ah! Where did you get that? Found it. Okay, rule number two, you will not bother me while I'm working. Rule number three, you will not cry, or whine, or laugh, or giggle, or sneeze, or burp, or fart. So, no, no, no annoying sounds, right? Does this count as annoying? Very. <sighs> I will see you in six hours. Okay. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to be really happy here. Right? Agnes? Hmm? I think that's a brilliant model. Never works, uh, I have to say. Tried it, but it doesn't work. Just don't, uh, don't bother me. 
So God is a perfect father. We're going to have a first slide. A good father. A good father to us who is always with us. And that's an amazing thought, is that God is always with us. Our fathers and those who we perhaps call father or look up to as male role models are around, but they're not around forever. Or they're uh, not with us all the time. But God, our father, is with us all the time. Let's have the next one. And we can call God our father and daddy. Which means we can have a real close relationship with God. Jesus, God's son, called his father our father. And he said that in the prayer that we said earlier. In our father. And he wanted us to say that so that we would know who God is for us. That he's not only Jesus' father, but our father too. And he called him Abba which isn't the pop group from Sweden. It means daddy. It's very personal. People, Jewish people were very scared to say the name of God. In fact, they still are, and they, they miss out certain letters, so they, they don't write the name of God. But Jesus said, no, it's different. God is Abba, his daddy. He's closer than that for us. And that's the amazing truth we have given to us through Jesus and through the Bible, that we can know God as our Father and Daddy. And, not only that, God knows and loves us too. It's not just a one-way thing. God knows us too and loves us. Even when we mess up, he knows us and he doesn't give up on us. We're going to talk a bit about that in a minute. So we're going to have a look at that next slide. God goes on loving. One of the biggest challenges as a parent, and for those of you who, who haven't got children, but you'll under, maybe understand as well, if you've been in any supermarket, is, <laughs> is toddlers in supermarkets. And it doesn't matter what you try and do, they will never do the thing you want them to do. Now, I don't know how many times, uh, and this is my, one of my bad father admissions, is that I've gone to Tesco's, I've been pushing the trolley and then thought, ah, I, I think I had children. <laughs> then the next thing you know is a ding dong, can the bad parent please come to <laughs> customer services because we've got a very crying child here. So off you trot. And, and once you've done it, once they, they go, oh, well, we know that happens. On the fourth time, they start to, you know, start looking at you as if to say, hmm. <laughs> but also, never, ever, here's a parenting tip, never, ever go down the sweetie aisle with a four-year-old. <laughs> because you will not come out alive. Because the battle you'll have had from one end to the other will finish you for the day. <laughs> and the worst thing is when they do that. I'm not listening. I'm staying here. I want my own way. And we do that as well. It's not just toddlers. Sometimes as adults, sometimes as older people, uh, and even uh, and, uh, teenagers as well, 
There's a surprise. Teenagers as well. Um, Get very stubborn. And God is always there to help and guide us. And we may find this hard to believe, but mostly our parents are there to help and guide us as well. And they want the best for us. Those who care for us want the best for us. And the reason they they tell us to do things or not do things is because they want the best for us. Yet we're a bit stubborn. And we're a bit like that with God as well. When we read God's word, we say, oh, well, yeah, I don't get that bit. I I don't like that bit. I'm going to ignore that bit. Or we may be praying and we're trying to make a decision and God tells us, or we feel God is saying to us, don't go that way, go this way. But we go that way anyway because that's going to be, we think, going to be better for us. And it's about trust. And even when we get it wrong and we make the wrong choices, God continues to love us. In that passage we heard from Hosea, it was Israel, God's family, God's people, and they were worshipping foreign gods, and yet God said, I still love them as a family, as my children. They've got it horribly wrong, probably as wrong as you can get it, and yet I still love them and want them to be with me. I want to wipe away the tears from their eyes. That is the image of God we have. Even though we might be stubborn toddlers, God still loves us and won't give up on us. Then there's the next thing. Sometimes God says no. And we find that hard. And sometimes that brings out the toddler in us. When we want to do something and God says no. It's not that God is horrible although it may feel like it, in the same way as I might say to my children, no, you're not having any sweets because your tea is going to come in half an hour. The reason I do that is because I want them to enjoy their tea and also to have a more healthy lifestyle than I have. I want them to eat sensibly. And that's a good thing because hopefully it will develop some good uh, stuff in their life. That's why God says no to us sometimes. He says, no, not because he doesn't like us, but because he loves us. And we see that particularly as a passage in Hebrews that speaks in the, in the book of uh, letter to the Hebrews, which speaks about that. that it says, God disciplines us for our own good. Now, no, no discipline feels like our own good. When we get told off by a teacher, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's for our own good, but often it is. When we get told off at home, it doesn't sometimes feel like it's for our own good, but often it is. When somebody says, don't put your finger in there, they usually got a point to that. Because it's usually hot or sharp. Don't put your finger in there, because it's going to hurt. Stop. And that's what God does sometimes. And he's given us a set of rules. Sometimes... We have to abide by those rules. Those rules are good for everybody. Sometimes people get hung up and say, oh, Christianity, why do you follow a God who gives you a load of rules? Well, we do it because we love God, not because we like following rules. And we want the best for ourselves and for everybody else. We want others to see God's love. And so when people say, oh, well, you've got the Ten Commandments, you shall not X, Y, Z. Why do you follow those? Well, if you read them, who wouldn't? 
you shall not kill. Seems a good rule to me. You shall not steal. Another good rule. You shall not look at your neighbor's Porsche and say, I want that and steal it. Seems a good rule to me, although it doesn't quite say that in the Bible. You shall care for one another. You shall love the Lord your God. All those things seem like good rules to me. They're about living life and living it in its fullness. So sometimes God says no, but sometimes God says not yet. When we're praying, we have a relationship with God. That's how we keep our relationship with God, our Father, alive, is by talking. In the same way we would with people that we love. And we talk to God, and sometimes God might say to us, not yet. We might be thinking of a plan or a program. I remember this happening once. We were in my previous church. We were praying about uh, uh, developing the church hall into a sort of uh, uh, all sorts of weird and wacky ideas. We had about soft play areas and all sorts of things, which were fantastic prayers, ideas, lovely prayers. And, and we prayed about them and we spent days in prayer. And we felt God say, not yet. Not no, but not yet. And we believe God gave us a different plan, slightly different plan, to start off where we were going, to kick it into motion. And eventually, we didn't have soft play, but we eventually got to developing a community cafe and stuff. But it, and it, it was a, a not yet moment. Your plans are good, but we're not yet there yet. And God does that so that we get in touch with where he wants us to be. So we have God as our perfect father. He gives us gifts, is what the, the, uh, the, the Bible teaches us. It says he wants to give us all sorts of gifts. He wants to give us fruit. Who likes fruit? Hey, you're quite a healthy bunch, really, aren't you? Who likes chocolate? doesn't say he'll give us chocolate, but he does say he'll give us fruit, so I'm sorry about that. He gives us fruit. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, something in self-control. <laughs> he gives us all those things. He wants to give us all those things, like love and joy and peace and patience and all those lovely stuff. He also wants to give us other stuff as well. He wants to give us special gifts to help us to be Christians in the world. So that's amazing stuff that God wants to give us. He wants to give us presents. And in that reading, we hear about how much he wants to give it. Even more than we want to give presents to, to the people we love, he wants to give presents to us. And he uses an example of something horrible. Now, what were the animals? Can you remember what animals were mentioned in that Bible reading? A scorpion. Who'd like to get a scorpion as a present when you're expecting some bread, maybe, or something nice, a bit of cake? You'd like a scorpion. Ah, fantastic. Let's see what we can do. And what was the other animal? A snake. Now, we're not talking about a nice little snake. Maybe a slow worm or something. They're not snakes, though. They're legless lizards, aren't they? But a snake, and we're talking about a proper snake here. A snake we're going to be a little bit scared of if we meet it. And he's saying, what? Even the, the meanest fathers, even grew at that stage, would not give his children a snake if they asked for something good. 
So I've got a present for us. open the snake. Who wants to feel the snake first? Let's feel the snake. Feel it. You three come out. You can start this in and slowly see what we've got inside. We're wrapped. The snake. Someone's got to clear this mess up after. That's a good gift. It's a gift. It's a snake. It's lovely. God, here he goes. He says, I give you, you ask for something good, and you get a rattlesnake. <laughs> However, let's see what else we've got. God doesn't really want to give us a snake. God wants to give us the best stuff in life. So what he does is he gives us this. <laughs> that... I would say it's probably much better than a snake, isn't it? <laughs> Grab one. <laughs> well done. And there are a few down there for, for others. And uh, adults, can you let the children get them first, please? <laughs> so, how much more eager, willing is our Heavenly Father? wanting to give us good gifts and good things. That's the God we have. God is the perfect father who wants to give us good gifts to all his children. Gifts of love and peace, hope and freedom and life in all its fullness. And maybe, not just the dads here or the, the adults or the, or, the, uh, or, or the men here. That's it, you get in there, lads. Maybe not just that. Maybe all of us need to live more just like our Father in heaven with a joy, a love, and a peace which gives and gives. Amen. We're going to give that same God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, uh, some worship time now as we, we sing our worship to him.